Hey everyone, my name is Scarlett. And I'm Nate. And welcome to the Foundations Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to tune in with us. Foundations is a discipleship journey as we cover the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. And over our time together, we'll be talking about different practices that help you grow in intimacy with God in our cultural moment. But before we jump in of what we're going to talk about today, we first want to introduce ourselves and give a little backstory of who we are, how we got here today, and where we plan on going with this series. So I'll go first, and a little bit about myself is that I became a Christian when I was in high school around 16. And I remember at this point in time, I would go to all the church events, Sunday school, girls' Bible studies, camp. Um, I would even go to some adult Bible studies, FCA. I was like a sponge that soaked up everything. (laughs) And then I remember graduating high school, going to college, and I hit a point of stagnation. I was doing all the right things. I was going to all these events, trying to get plugged into a church, finding Christian friends, but I felt like I was going through the motions and almost like I hit a cap to my growth. And so while I knew I was saved um, and I love the Lord, I felt like I wasn't growing anymore in my spiritual walk. And I remember my freshman year, I was on a plane ride back home and I met a a girl on the flight. She actually sat next to me and she asked me about my relationship with God, which at first I was like, wow, girl, you are bold (laughs) asking a complete stranger about what the relationship with the Lord looked like. And she began to share with me her story. And she shared with me from Matthew 7, which in this story, um, if you're not familiar with, Jesus says that on Judgment Day, that many will come to him saying, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've casted out demons in your name. We've performed many miracles in your name. But Jesus replied to them and said, I never knew you. And she began to share how she was doing all these things for God. But at the end of it all, would she say that she personally knew them? And for me, that began to resonate so much with me, because while I knew I was saved, I had to ask myself, was the extent of my faith only my works for God? (laughs) Like at the end of my life, would I be able to describe and talk about Him like one of my best friends? Or would I just give Him a list of all these things I've done? And so throughout college, I began to seek after ways to just grow in intimacy with the Lord, to really understand Him and get to know Him like one of my own friends. And in my senior year of college, so about four years later, I began collecting all these things that I learned along the way. At the point, at this point in time, I had traveled across the country and in different countries. And so just talking with different mentors and churches around the world and just understanding what people um, were gathering and how they grew with the Lord, I just started collecting all these things I learned from them on spiritual growth. And some of these things were spiritual disciplines. Others were just pieces of wisdom. But I began to gather everything I could on discipleship. And so at the same time, I was also an RA in my college dorm. And I lived with about 75 other girls, which the introverts in there, you probably squirmed when I said that. But 75 of us living on one hall, and they would always come in my room and just ask different questions. And they began to share with me their stories about growing up in church. And I remember one girl saying that she didn't pray because she didn't believe that the Lord heard her prayers. And another girl said that she hadn't hadn't read her Bibles in years because she didn't know how to. 
and so burdened because I felt like I was there at their point in time. I began taking all these things that I put together and wrote, and I decided to start a discipleship group with these women. And so we began walking through it together. And it was so crazy during that year, walking through all these things that I had gathered with them because we all saw change in their lives. Even my life, walking through it and practicing it in a new way. And I remember one of them came to me and she was so excited. And she said, Scarlett, I read my first book of the Bible ever. And I actually understood what I was reading. And we all cheered alongside her. It was amazing. And so we would pray together and study together. And it was just such a fruitful time. And so moving forward today, I worked at a Christian college campus and I taught this study as a class to new believers. And we named it Foundations because we believe it's some of the foundational elements of what it means to follow Jesus. And so over our time together, we'll be going over this class and this content, and we'll be talking about different practices to help you grow in intimacy with God in our cultural moment. And so foundations is not a means to an end. <laughs> this is not an exhaustive list of things to do, but rather it's a journey, a discipleship journey. And it's a guide that I started with a small group and now teach it as a class for students. And that's where Nate comes in. He graciously agreed to teach the class alongside me and help it grow so much of what it is today. And together we have shaped the class to best minister to the person who's been following Jesus for a week or five years. And so we pray for whoever listens to this class, that whether you've been in church or been out of church, or maybe you're not a church person at all, but you're just curious about God, that through this podcast, you would be able to learn different tools or practices, or even some theologies on things that you may have had questions about for a long time. And so I am so thankful for this journey, and um, I'm very excited Nate gets to come along. And so with that, Nate, you want to share a bit about your story? Yeah, I'd love to. So I grew up uh, in a community that talked about Jesus a lot. I really don't remember a time when I did not know who the person of Jesus was, but I definitely had no relationship uh, with him. And so when I was in middle school, I was in seventh grade, and I remember one of my classmates um, ended up being diagnosed with leukemia. And in that time, you know, we did all the fundraisers, all the campaigns, um, all the prayers. And I, I remember talking to God more in those days than I ever had before, right? And I was just asking him, God, would you save my friend? God, would you heal my friend? Um, I was praying, but I really had no idea what I was doing. And the following year, I watched my friend um, pass away, not only from the cancer, but just from the chemo treatments. It was a slow and brutal death. A lot of people in these moments get like really mad at God, but I feel like in order to get mad at someone, you have to have like some kind of relationship with them. I had a ton of questions, right? Like who is God? Why is death a part of everyone's reality? Um, why did it happen to my friend who was so young? Uh, and there were other things happening and I had just started to feel like really hollow. I had started to wonder, like, what is the purpose of life? And, um, and who, who is God and who am I? And so at this time, someone actually invited me to a, a church gathering. And the youth pastor that night shared his testimony. And there were so many times where I just wanted to say, like, me too, as he was sharing his story. And so at the end of the night, uh, I got his phone number. And then I texted him later that day. And I said, hey, my life feels like it's falling apart. I have so many questions. 
Um, I have so much like pain and hurt. Uh, would you be willing to meet with me and just talk about these things? And so he said, yes. And for the next six months, we would meet every single week for an hour and a half, just the two of us before uh, the youth group would start each night. And what actually brought me to Jesus uh, wasn't only me needing forgiveness for my sins, although that was definitely there. Uh, What really brought me to Jesus was I wanted the abundant life that I heard he offered. Like I wanted peace and I wanted strength and I wanted joy. And yes, I needed forgiveness as well. But through these conversations, I just learned that the gospel has so many things to say towards all of life. An illustration I sometimes use, right, is if someone had an iPhone uh, XR in their hand, right? So they have an iPhone XR, and the only two things they use the iPhone for is to call people and to send text messages. That, I mean, that's it. Like they never use their, their iPhone XR for anything else. Like what would you call that person? The first answer might be grandma or grandpa, right? Because they actually have no idea what they're doing with an iPhone. <laughs> but if they're not your grandparents, then you'd probably call them crazy. Because an iPhone XR has so many things that it can do besides making phone calls and sending text messages. Like, yes, that's the foundation. And if it can't do that, then it's not a phone. But like, this is practically like a professional camera, right? This is also connected to the internet. It is a computer in my pocket. It can play music, right? Like it can translate my phrases into other languages. I mean, the possibilities of an iPhone, specifically the ones that keep being brought out, are endless. And so what I love about this discipleship journey that we're going to take you on is our goal, yes, today, even especially, we're going to talk about what is the gospel, what is sin, what is forgiveness. And then we're going to talk about once like we have that conversation, even other things like what does it mean that he who lives in me, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who lives in the world? Like what does it mean that Jesus is offering me abundant life? What does it mean that I can have perfect peace. So I, through following Jesus, had like an intensive on discipleship. I had no idea that's what was happening, but it was. And so that's what makes me so excited um, for this class. It's not only for the person who doesn't know Jesus. It's also for the person that just wants to grow in their faith and actually take Jesus at his word when he offers us abundant life. Yeah, that's so good. And part of even just behind this podcast and even the reason why we're doing this class is it's not just content that we have written down, but it's actually a lot of our story um, put out there. And so this podcast is going to be an intense study of discipleship. But our goal is that by the end of this, you will look more like Jesus than when you first started listening. Um, But one thing that we have to establish before we even jump in the discipleship conversation is what is the gospel? And how does it change who we are? So I'm going to start by reading a letter from Paul to the Corinthians, and then we're going to pack this um, just to start the conversation. So in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. 
So what I'd like to do for a moment is just talk about verses 9 through 10, which is what Scarlett just read. Uh, so I'm going to reread some of it and then, and then say a few thoughts. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? If this language is new to you, right? Like, what is the kingdom of God? Because um, you're maybe a new believer or maybe you just never heard this before. The kingdom of God is what all Christians are going to inherit because of their relationship with God. Like when someone starts following Jesus, they're actually adopted into his family. And God is the king of this world. He is the king of the universe. And so this verse is saying there are some people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Another way to say it is there are some people who are not in good standing, who are not in a right relationship with God. And that's why Paul says, don't fool yourselves, meaning that there are some who have fooled themselves. There are some people who believe I'm good. God and I are fine that I'm going to inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul is sitting here and he's saying, hey, don't say that too quickly. Why? Because those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when this list starts off, uh, you might think, wow, I'm in the clear, right? Like you might be reading this, those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality. Like you're reading these things and you go, yeah, those are the heathens. Those are the messed up people. Those are the people who uh, need forgiveness. Those are the people who, who God's wrath is going to be poured out on. Like you're thinking that is not me. But then you keep reading and all of a sudden you even see the word greedy people. It's like, okay, hold on. Like, does that describe me? Or then you even see like, or cheat people. And, and, and what we typically do is we go, well, I'm not greedy as a person. Sometimes I just, sometimes I just feel like I want to have everything, right? Like we find ways to not find ourselves in this list. But when Paul was writing this, there was nobody who would have read this list and thought, I make it in the clear. So like Paul is writing this letter in spe specifically to a church that lives in the city of Corinth. And so when Paul is writing this list, he's not just writing it going, okay, these people are not going to be Christians. These people are not in good standing with God, but these other people are. He's actually looking at all the sins that are found in that particular city. And he's saying, you can't be living in sin and be in a, in a right relationship with God. Those two things are not possible. And so if Paul were maybe even writing this uh, to someone that lives in maybe Atlanta, right? Or maybe Miami or maybe New York City, or maybe even like where, you know, we're recording this in Virginia, like Paul would maybe even change some of it uh, because you're thinking, well, I don't feel like I'm bowing down to a statue, right? And Paul would go, okay, the people who will not inherit the kingdom of God are people who are obsessed with getting more money and more money and more money, and they don't care for their neighbors. Like, okay, people who are jealous of everyone, people who envy all the time, people who are obsessed with their image. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, like that's coming after me. And that's what this whole verse is doing. 
Paul is addressing the sins in the city. And he's saying, if these things are a part of your life, you are not in right standing with God. Don't fool yourselves. But the good news is it doesn't stop there. And about a few years ago, I had a I heard an illustration that encompasses this idea really well um, by Candace Cameron. Um, she had come and visit where we were at. And I remember her um, talking about this and explaining this because she said she grew up thinking that she was a pretty good person. Like she never really did anything wrong or did anything that which she would deem harmless, but felt like overall, I'm a good person. Like I'm at good standing. And she said something on the lines that she didn't do anything like bad, like kill someone. So like, why does it matter um, what my morality is like? And she said someone told her an illustration about a sheep against pure white snow. And so if you can imagine that when you look at sheep, they're like white and they're fluffy, like majority of times they're super cute. Um, But against white snow, like freshly fallen snow, you begin to see how dirty the sheep actually are. They have specks of dirt or like maybe even some grass um, and their, their hair. And you begin to notice they're not that white like at all. Because compared to the purest white, they're actually really dirty. And that's like how we see our sin. Like we think that we are white, that we are good, that we are in the clean, just like that sheep. But when we stand against the perfect person, we begin to realize how dirty we actually are. Like we may think that we're actually blameless, but compared to perfection, who is named Jesus Christ, we fall short. He's the only man who never sinned. He never did anything wrong and is completely blameless. And so when we compare ourselves against perfection, we begin to realize how broken we actually are. And like we fall short no matter how good we think we are. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Pastor David Nasser once made a statement that I think helps even clarify this. He once said, the seed of every sin is in all of our hearts. The only difference between you and them is what seeds have been watered throughout your life. Right, like every single one of us has this, this identity over us when we're first born of sinner. Right, like our hearts are bent towards brokenness, and and darkness is truly a, a unwelcome friend for many of us. And and maybe you grew up in a family that like took morality seriously. Like maybe they're not even Christians, but they were just nice people. And so you look at other people and you think, well, at least I'm better than them. But the point Scarlett's trying to make is when you actually compare yourself against perfection, when you compare yourself against Jesus, there's no one who passes that test. So that's the bad news. But the good news that we have this evening is that the Apostle Paul keeps writing. He has good news for both the drunkard and he also has good news for the person who practices homosexuality. He has good news for the thief and he also has good news for the person who cheats. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Paul says, some of you were once like that. I just want to stop there and think how encouraging that is. That even if you found yourself in that previous list, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have something really important for you today. So Paul says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So this is the bad news that we are sinners, but here is the good news 
that you who were once dirty are made clean in Christ. And so everything that you have done wrong has been made right by Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. The perfect son of God, he came and died so that we may be perfect. This is the best news that we could ever receive. And I believed this good news whenever I was 16, like whenever I shared my story and said I became a Christian. But I actually didn't understand the implications of this good news until I was about 20, until I was around college age. So I started off on a spiritual high, like, praise God, I do not have to be the same person anymore. And I didn't just believe God was good, but I had tasted his goodness for myself. And I felt like I dove right in. But after a couple of years, I began to hit a point of stagnation where I was like, okay, Lord, you, you promised me these things and, and promised this good life, but where I almost feel distant from it. And I began to fall into the same sin patterns as before I became a Christian. And I really struggled to find footing in my faith. But what I didn't know was that it was possible for me to change and experience freedom from these sin patterns now. Like, freedom from the sinful life that I had before I knew the Lord. And I didn't have to wait for heaven to cleanse me of all my sin and to change me, but I actually could experience freedom from sin today. And so the point that I'm getting to is this, is that we can experience the kingdom of God right now, which is crazy to think about. It's not this far off place that one day we will reach, but it's actually a present reality that is possible for all who are willing to deny themselves and come to Christ. John Orgberg, um, he has some really good thoughts on this in his book, Eternity is Now in Session. And so I'm going to like the next things that I'm going to say, kind of summarize his thoughts that he has about this that I appreciate so much. And so depending on where you grew up in church, you may have heard something along the lines of, if you should die tonight, how do you know for sure that you will get into heaven? Which usually means something along the lines of, have you satisfied the minimum entrance requirements to get you into heaven? And minimum minimum entrance requirements are, I mean, that's good things. Like it can get you into things. Like if you think about like an airline reward system, it's acceptable to ask, what are the minimum requirements for me to be a rewards member of this airline company? Like how many miles do I need to get? Do I need to pay anything? What are the perks of the rewards program? Do I get free stuff? You're basically asking, what is the minimum amount that I need to do to get into this rewards program? Now, what if you ask the same question about marriage? So say, girls, you're married to some guy, and he says, what is the minimum requirement it will take to be married to you? Like, what is the least amount of things that I would have to be do to stay in a relationship with you? You would be like, what? Like, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Um, And so we treat salvation more like an airline when in reality it's a marriage. Like, what do I do now? that because I'm in Christ Jesus and what are the minimum requirements that it like takes because there's more to this relationship than just getting into heaven. And so John Orgbert says this, that salvation is not so much about getting into heaven, but about getting heaven into you. And so Jesus call is to obey is not to earn our way um, into heaven, but as George McDonald puts it, it's to ascend to the pinnacle of our being. And so trusting in Jesus is more than just getting this free ticket into heaven and ridding of our sins, but it's actually trusting that he was right about everything, 
that he was right about the best way to be human, the best way to live life, the best way to be the person that he has created me to be. And so therefore, am I ready to do whatever he says, because it's the best way to live life. And so here, it's not so much about, okay, what do I need to do so that I can have eternal peace and all these things, but actually, what are things that I can do now? that allow heaven to invade me, allow my life to change, allow the lifestyle and the things that have been burdening me for so long that I can um, step out of. Yeah. So maybe you were hearing this and you're thinking, okay, what does this mean? Like, what does this mean for discipleship? Like, what does this mean for this journey that we've been on? A verse that I keep referencing is Jesus in John 10, 10, right? He says that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. But then he goes on to say, but I have come. So Jesus has come so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So this, this life that we're talking about isn't just one where you lay your head down at night and you no longer feel guilty for the sins that you've committed, right? This isn't just a you know, get out of hell free card that we're talking about. We're actually saying that it's possible for you to experience abundant joy while you follow God. We're saying it's possible that you experience like eternal pleasures at the right hand of God, which is what the psalmist says, right? So when we're talking about discipleship, there's this word that we keep using, but we actually want to define it. And, and the definition that we use is discipleship is the lifelong process of bridging the gap between who Jesus says I can be and who I currently am. So maybe you just started following Jesus, or maybe you're that person that feels like they haven't grown in their faith in a really, really long time. If you start reading the scriptures, you'll, you'll start reading and you'll go, wow, there seems to be this disconnect. Like Isaiah 26 verse three says that God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So you read that and you're like, well, I want to experience perfect peace, but I definitely haven't been experiencing that recently. Well, the scriptures say, if you can keep your mind on God, then you can experience that. And so there's this gap between like what God is offering and what you're currently experiencing. And so discipleship is just you bridging that gap. It's you getting closer and closer to the person that the scriptures describe. It's you reading the Sermon on the Mount and going, wow, Jesus wants me to like turn a cheek when someone slaps me. Like Jesus wants me to go two miles if someone asks me to go one with them. Like Jesus wants me to pray for my enemies and to bless those who persecute me. Like I don't know anyone who reads that and thinks, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm doing all that so well, right? Like we read that and we go, wow, that's who I can become because God says it's possible with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not who I currently am, but discipleship is me bridging that gap. It's me becoming that kind of person. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're just going to provide a couple of practices that we believe can bridge that gap. A couple of practices that we believe can help you grow in your intimacy with Jesus. So Scarlett, do you have any thoughts that you'd like to give as people prepare for the rest of this series? Yeah. And so here we leave at a really, really exciting place because even just listening to any of this and any of this has just struck a chord with you. I think that you're really going to enjoy um, the rest of the series of what we have. And you may say, you may look at your life and you say, I am just so far from looking 
like the person of Jesus. Like I am a sinner and you, you may be a saint in Christ. And so what does that mean for me? And so our goal for this is that bridge, that gap that you may see in your life, that it may be drawn closer over these next foundational disciplines um, that we see that have also impacted both of our lives. Um, you'll get to hear some personal stories, but then also practical ways that you can live this out in your life. Nate, do you have any closing thoughts? I'm excited for you all to journey with us on uh, as we learn more about discipleship. So thank you for starting and we can't wait to, to share more. See you guys next time. <laughs>